Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And I am Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we are gathering together once again for our weekly discussion of the My Hero Academia anime. This week we are covering episodes 24 and 25. And this show is basically 100% spoilers. So if you haven't watched those episodes and you want to, I would do that. I would just go ahead and hit pause now and go ahead and get right on that. Yeah, you definitely won't be missing out. This show is incredible. From episode one all the way up to now, I have not had one episode that I didn't enjoy at least a little bit. It's true. And we've been doing this now just long enough for there to be some so the beginnings of some communities around this podcast, um, strongest of which probably exists between Twitter and Discord for us. Uh, yeah, definitely. We had uh, a guy... Uh, interact with us on Twitter. So shout out to Ohm. He he tweeted us and says, I think that you guys have misunderstood some things. And I got back to him and I was just like, our wrongness is more of a feature than a bug. We're going to be wrong a lot. And it's not that we're, you know, we're guessing or speaking incorrectly intentionally. We're just that dumb, you guys. Our best hope is that we're <laughs> like broken clocks that are right at least twice a day. We set an awful low bar for ourselves because that is how we keep from being disappointed and crying fountains of tears like Midoriya does. However, yeah, exactly. that said, we do love interacting with you guys. So if you've got a moment and you've got a Twitter account or a Discord account, hit us up. Follow us on Twitter at The Almighty Pod or find us on Discord. We have links to the Discord on, on Twitter and on backpatio.net. So uh, Backpationetwork.com. Backpationetwork.com. Yeah, there you go. So we're Definitely. all over. We got links in. everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, get on in and uh, chat us up. We love it. Uh, this has been a lot of fun to just talk about with you. Love talking about it with a lot of other people as well. Yeah, and we do try to keep those environments on pace with where we are with released episodes. So you're not going to jump in and be spoiled for stuff that's coming weeks down the line or anything like that. We try to keep discussions where we are with episodes that are available uh, already released on iTunes and, and all the other places. So completely spoiler-free environments that we totally would love to have you uh, come into and be a part of. Yeah, and one of the things that got pointed out to us that I really liked, we were kind of under the impression that, I guess, with Midoriya eating All Might's hair, that he had just eaten like a tenth of his power, and maybe he'd have to eat, what, five or six more hair strings before he'd get the rest of it? Minimum. Uh, I think at one point we had joked about him eating a literal bowl of full of All Might hair. Like All Might spaghetti style? Yeah. Angel, yeah. it's like All Might hair pasta. Right, Instead exactly. You like cook up little shrimps with uh, bakugo there. Yeah, and uh, exactly. you know, it's just you make a night out of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we were informed that that's not the way that it works. Uh, that Midoriya would basically, I guess, grow into the power, and eventually it would be full powered for him. Uh, but that kind of begged the question for me: if the he received his power from All Might, and uh, All Might doesn't lose it over time because Midoriya is like siphoning it off from him. That means all of the people that had All Might originally still have it. Or not All Might, but One for All, still have it. Which also means that the old man we saw at the very beginning of Season 1 is like in a retirement home with his full-blown One for All powers, <laughs> like hanging out, just fishing all day long, having a good old time. And there's something about that that I really love. You know what? He's, he's probably earned it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, Ohm uh, made it sound much more like it was a seed, uh, something that would kind of germinate inside of Midoriya and eventually uh, kind of come into its own like a plant would from from uh, a seed. And so that and that makes some sense. Yeah, and it's definitely a really nice take on it. I like that a lot. But let's go ahead and uh, dive right into these episodes, man. These were killer episodes this week. 
Yeah, definitely. So episode 24 was titled Fight on Ida, and it picks up right where episode 23 left off in the aftermath of the battle that we bore witness to last week's episode uh, between Todoroki and Midoriya. Midoriya is kind of on his way to the infirmary. Todoroki is making his way, um, I guess, back towards the waiting rooms because he still, uh, you know, has has a spot in the bracket. And, yeah, he bumps into his dad on the way, uh, bumps into Endeavor. Yeah, and Endeavor and Todoroki, obviously, they've got some serious issues, but Endeavor's just psyched that his son, like, finally engaged in the fire or left-hand side of his powers that, like, represents his father. And it was kind of interesting because Endeavor's all about it. He's like, man, you got fired up out there. Like, I can't wait to throw down and train you. Like, we're really going to get into it. Uh, And it's awesome because Todoroki pretty much tells him, you know, for the first time, I completely forgot about you. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but for right now, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And and I super liked that response. He says, back there in that moment, I just forgot about you. And he maybe, Todoroki, maybe for the first time, operated from a place of complete autonomy. And what I mean by that is... In that moment, when when he did engage his fire half of his powers, he there were no outside influences on his motivation uh, on his motivations. He he was just it's just his own motivations, which is to to become a hero. And when we, he was a kid, we see these flashbacks. That's what he said that he wanted to do. And we're going to see this quote come up again in these episodes from his mom, where she tells him that he can be a hero if that's what he wants. However. Uh, as he grew, as Todoroki grew to understand who or, or what Endeavor really was, he modified his goal. Todoroki modified his goal to accommodate his disdain for Endeavor. And this is what happens sometimes when we give our enemies or our adversaries too much power. So we give that power to them in these situations. They don't necessarily exert it over us. And in this match with Midoriya's prodding, Todoroki robbed Endeavor of that power that basically he had bestowed Endeavor with. He he allowed Endeavor to be this menacing presence in his life, and by forgetting about him in that moment, he released himself. And so that spiteful refusal to use his fire powers was gone, and he could be the hero um, that, that Midoriya was basically spurring him on to be. And we'll see, particularly in the next episode, that while he was able to forget about Endeavor, he still has a serious lack of resolution with regards to his mom. Yeah, and you know, it was actually, uh, it was really interesting just kind of seeing him work his way through that in front of his dad. Like, I feel like for us, for like a lot of normal people, having these serious emotions with him and whatnot, and and having to confront that right after a battle with someone like this, like you're, you're he's at his weakest moment. He's really vulnerable in these moments. I feel like you know, and uh, I think he handled it like a real champ. Like he was kind of showing his own, uh, what's the word I want to use heroic fortitude there, I guess, to kind of stand up to the bully. You know what I mean? And it did make me wonder if there was like a therapist or a counselor analog to recovery girl somewhere that is on staff somewhere that there's like somebody whose quirk is she's like super good at counseling you because that's kind of what he needed. He needs to have some conversations and he's having them internally. And we kind of see the, the results of that internal struggle or dialogue or tension within him um, play out over the course of the next episode as well. That would be a really neat quirk to have in general, wouldn't it? Like uh, to be, have the power to help people like that. Like that's, that, that would be really incredible. Yeah. I mean, it would probably function as like a telepath, somebody that could just had the ability to kind of read your mind and even your subconscious oh, like, uh, mind. Uh, Charles and walk Xavier kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Well, let's get into what's going on with Midoriya because he was pretty dang messed up after that fight, man. Like, dude's got several broken bones. Uh, he's he's not doing well. Uh, we transition into a scene with Recovery Girl and All Might, and of course Midoriya is laying there on the bed, and he is like totally wrecked. And Recovery Girl straight up tells him, you know, your bones are never going to be the same again. Like, I'll heal you the best I can, but you're going to go through intensive surgery. Like, you won't barely be able to walk the rest of the day. Uh, it, it was it was pretty gnarly, and and even Mineta and Ochako and Sue and a couple of his other classmates show up, and Mineta makes this comment like that was the gnarliest fight I've ever seen. Yeah, he, uh, I, th I thought that was pretty epic. He was worried that it was so intense that the pro heroes would want nothing to do with Midoriya. Really, I didn't see they didn't he didn't mention anything about the pro heroes in uh, the English version. He just said, you know, that was really incredible. <laughs> All right, so yeah, in the in the manga, he says this. That was scary as hell, Midoriya. No pro's gonna want to hire you. That's what he says in the manga, and I, I'm pretty sure that the uh, uh, the dub was something similar to that. I do remember him saying some, he was about to say something, but then Sue stopped him, and Sue says something like, "Don't rub yeah. salt into his wounds right now." It looked like she stuck her tongue down his ear. Did yeah, you get that visual yeah, too? Yeah, but I was under the impression that it was kind of like a uh, like a stun frog kind of deal. Like she just licked his cheek, and he like got stunned. Oh, okay. I, stun I, frogs I know she, are a thing. I'm learning all sorts of new stuff today. I, yeah, they're like a poisonous dart frog. I'm pretty sure that there's a stun one that like paralyzes small creatures. <laughs> what? Okay. Mine's I, being blown over here. I'm probably totally making this up. So uh, you might you, be. Let us know on Twitter. Yeah, if let us know how wrong we are about <laughs> stun frogs on Twitter, please. <laughs> Uh, oh man but yeah i thought it was really cool that all of his buddies show up they check on him uh and you know recovery girl's not having any of it she's like you guys are being way too damn loud get out of here closes the door on him and then she scalds all might and is like you're taking this way too seriously you're being way too hard on him you guys are gonna have to do something else all might and midoriya have this really sweet moment uh where midoriya's apologizing because of course like he's a kid he doesn't really get that he doesn't have this like massive standard that he has to stand up for, you know, that I guess he's probably putting up for himself. But he, he's apologizing to All Might about how he's sorry he can't uh, basically show himself off to the rest of the world and that he didn't win. And All Might's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, do you see what you did? Uh, and I thought that was awesome, too. You know, a good moment reeling Midoriya back in, trying to keep him from waterworks. Yeah, and... A couple things happen in this scene that I think are, are one of them's just kind of silly. This is the first time that the classmates barge in on Jinko Jing's All Might and they don't recognize him. Like Ochako's like, oh, hello, sir. Like doesn't have any clue who he is. I didn't is even pick fun. up on that. Yeah. Um, so wow. that was that was kind of fun. And then yeah. I also noticed too, and I'm only bringing this up because you and I have had discussions similar to this. Did you notice that Recovery Girl, like she's a capable surgeon? Did you notice this? Well, yeah. So uh, she mentions that she has to give surgery to Midoriya to fix some of his bones. Uh, but it was kind of weird because, like, they didn't show any surgery. It didn't look like she performed invasive surgery. She just made a really loud kissy noise. Yeah, but she, uh, yeah, she was talking about having to perform surgery, and I thought well, to like remove the bone chunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was weird though. But I guess it makes sense. I mean, I would assume that maybe, maybe that comes naturally to her. Possibly. Or maybe she was a doctor. Well, she wouldn't have been a doctor before she got her quirk. They manifested childhood. Maybe she... Maybe she um, went to doctor school. I mean, that's not impossible. Yeah, yeah. Got some know? training to kind like of... medical school of some kind? Yeah. To, to... What's the word I'm looking for? To not accentuate her quirk, but compliment it. That's the word I'm looking I'd for. Definitely compliment it, yeah. Well, so, I've got a, I got a quote here that I do want to throw out there at you uh, from All Might that I really liked. 
during this conversation between All Might and Midoriya, he, he has this quote where he says, meddling where you don't technically have to is the essence of being a hero. And he's talking about bringing down the walls of, of Todoroki during their fight, and I really loved that. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, the idea that, you know, sometimes the real hero is the person that's kind of trying to help out when they have no business being there to help out to begin with. See, I didn't like the way that that line was delivered in the anime at all, but the manga made more sense the way that it was it was delivered and the way that it was worded. So in, in the dub version, it was meddling when you're not supposed to is the essence of being a hero. And I have in my notes, I said, this line feels like it came straight from Scooby-Doo, like from the <laughs> villain's perspective, where it's kind of like, oh, I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those meddling kids. Most people we count as heroes, I would argue, meddle in the very things that somebody should be meddling in. Yeah. So I, I don't know, the phrasing was odd, but in the manga... The line is giving help that's not asked for is part of what makes a true hero. And that oh, made yeah. more sense to me. That's a really much better way of saying that. That's that, that's so much better. I can't believe they didn't go with that. Yeah, it, it is. A, it, there's a there's a large disparity between those two. Those yeah, two lines. Definitely. Because meddling in general, like if I say you're meddling in something, then you're automatically the villain in that sentence. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that is interesting choice of words there. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to chalk that up to All Might being a little overdramatic and maybe not super bright. Okay. I don't I'll know. I'll do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like... I, I Now that I've heard the other version, I like that a lot better. So, shortly after we have uh, Recovery Girl helping out Midoriya with, and all of this conversation about Todoroki and him with All Might, uh, we go back over to the rest of the arena where we see Ida and Shiazaki fight off and also Tokuyama and also Tokoyami and Mina, and these were really quick battles. Like, I mean, uh, they were maybe a minute combined. Uh, Ida basically shoves Shiozaki out of the ring with his super fast powers, and Tokoyami just knocks Mina out of the ring with Shadow. So it's like they were really, I mean, these, I don't want to say they're side characters, but they're not the main characters of this season, so they're not spending a whole lot of time on it. So those two have been eliminated, and we've got Ida, Tokoyami, Moving on to the next round, and then we get a cutscene where it goes back to Midoriya right after the surgery uh, with Recovery Girl. Yes, and this is when so she's already kind of chastised, really both All Might and Midoriya for the way that Midoriya acts with this power. Um, so she puts her boot down uh, in this particular scene, and she lets them both know that she's not going to heal injuries like this of Midoriya's anymore. She's, yeah, she is not going to because she's she's seeing Midoriya basically, well, not basically, literally self destructing. Yeah, he's he reckless with power. It. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but he's now officially scarred. He has this nasty, like scarred up, crooked right hand. Uh, I guess it's from where he was breaking his bones over and over. She couldn't quite heal him up all the way. Yeah. So now he's got this permanently jacked up right hand, and she wants to keep that permanent measure of damage to that, to that minimum. This well, it, is what's been done. She doesn't want to do, she doesn't want to have to uh, bear witness to any more. And she, I mean, she's removing the safety net in the hopes that it will force Midoriya to adapt because you use the word reckless and I think that that's correct. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, he's done anything he can to get ahead. I mean, he's training, but it's just not fast enough. Uh, he's maybe done... He, so I think at this point, he's done two attacks where he's not injured himself. Uh, the one against Nomu, and then halfway through the Todoroki fight, he was able to get off kind of one lower-powered all-for-one punch uh, on him, and it didn't hurt 
either one of them too much. I mean, Todoroki rebounded pretty quick. Uh, but at this point, like, he's not really careful with it. I, I feel like he, he knows with that safety net there, he's not going to have to be, you know? Yeah, and I so think... So that's, with that being gone, I'm interested in seeing how he's able to handle his powers. Well, and I think the other thing that is going on here is that Midoriya is having to utilize his powers in scenarios and circumstances um, that he shouldn't be given the amount of time that he's had this quirk. So, like, if he if he had been given this quirk when he was the age that everybody else came into their quirk, he would have had more time, more training, and it could have ramped up more slowly. As it is, though, he's only had it for a short measure of time, and he's going up against Shoto Todoroki, who is, like, the, the strongest person probably maybe on the show besides All Might. You know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that because I keep thinking that he's had this power for like nine months. Like he's gotten it from since he met All Might, but I I forget he got it the day of basically inauguration at at the school. Yeah. So he's had it for like what? I mean, do we have a timeline? Has he had it for maximum like maybe a month? Yeah, it's, it's not very long. And he's constantly, I mean, made to, not forced. It's not like somebody has a gun to his head, a finger gun to his head, making <laughs> him use 100% power or anything like this. But he's he has to perform with this power at a level that he's unprepared for be, just because he hasn't had ample time to train in a way that he could slowly progress. He's had to jump in at the deep end of the one-for-all. And that, that's, I mean, he's a victim of the system in that regard. Yeah, that's very true. But as it is, uh, he continues to have this ongoing conversation with All Might. I think as they're making their way to try to catch uh, the next match. And Midoriya is still struggling with the way that he's handled the one for all. And he straight up tells All Might that he thinks All Might may have chosen the wrong inheritor of the one for all. Yeah, and this is an interesting moment here because I did not see this coming at all. Um, you know, All Might is kind of consoling Midoriya for saying, like, hey, yeah, there are other people I could have chosen, but I really saw something with you. Like, you really struck a chord with me because as a kid, I was quirkless, too. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. Like, we had speculated several times, like, what is All Might's original power, you know? And uh, the idea that he was quirkless... That didn't even occur to me. I don't think. Nope. I don't like. I, I I didn't go back and listen, but I don't think we've even mentioned that. I don't think so either. And that's just us being dumb and and blind. Yeah, <laughs> we, sh- totally we should have seen that coming. As soon as soon as Midoriya was given the one for all, it was a possibility that somebody without a quirk could receive the one for all. Right. But we we were so caught up in like you said, trying to figure out what it was that all might you know, what ingredient he added to the soup that is one for all as it's been passed down and around. And it's really interesting too, because All Might uses Todoroki as an example. And he was like, yeah, man, if Todoroki had this power, he would have fire, ice, and also super strength. And it would, he would be like this crazy, super powered, super being, you know? Right. Um, but that would have been is, a pretty cool combination to be honest. Oh, it would have been, I mean, listen, Todoroki's already OP. Like him, yeah. him plus the one for all is insane. It's show over. It's just like, all right, he wins everything. It's fine. That's true. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, it was a cool moment. And I think that it was also, I mean, it wasn't even really a moment of vulnerability for All Might because Midori is like, well, why didn't you tell me? And he was like, well, I, you didn't ask. I kind of thought that you would though, you know, yeah. um, yeah. so you, this, you never got around to it, 
but it well, is it is in a small measure, you know, this moment of of vulnerability, or at least at the very least, empathy um, in reasoning with Midoriya that Midoriya isn't out. He, he he's not, uh, you know, the the wrong person just because he isn't. He he doesn't have something to bring to the quirk itself like Todoroki right. might. Well, and so there, I mean, fact of the matter is, Midoriya now has massive hope, because previously, I think he was under the assumption that he would be close to All Might, but not quite there, because he didn't have a quirk of his own, but, I mean, it looks like, I mean, if All Might is the standard for how this all-for-one power works, all Midoriya's got to do is train and get buff. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but, like, ultimately, we know he's going to be okay with this quirk. Uh, now, I, I will say just kind of like, I guess if this was a, an RPG, I would call this meta, but I'm convinced that they decided to throw this in season two halfway only because if if All Might had been quirkless from the very beginning, like if that had been a thought in their head when they were first writing out this story, I, th- I don't think he would have been so quick to tell Midoriya no whenever Midoriya asked him like, mm. hey, can I be a hero? You know, I think that was what, episode one? Yeah. Or maybe episode or two. two. Yeah, yeah, but like he was immediately right off the bat like, nope, sorry, kid, you have no hope. That's true. And he himself was in that exact position, grew up and became the best hero of all time. So I feel like, I don't know, maybe maybe that's just me. You know, I also think the principal's a villain. So <laughs> yeah. my opinions on this show don't really matter. Well, but it, your, it, your point about all, uh, about this being a second, a second season de- decision makes more sense to me than... Uh, Teddy Ruxpin being evil at this point. It is a much easier to defend point. I'll yeah, <laughs> I'm finding I'm finding the principal evil point to be very difficult to back up. The more and more I watch this show. Yeah, please join us on Twitter and in the Discord to tell Adam how wrong he is about Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> um, so we we start getting some cutaways from all that's going on at the arena here and they start they, they focus on Tensei who is Ingenium or Ingenium and, and this that's is, Ida's brother right? Yes it's one of Ida's family members who is a pro hero I had in my notes uh, is he the one who has 65 sidekicks because I swear when he was talking about his family he mentioned that one of his brothers has 65 sidekicks I still can't wrap my mind around that but I think it is Ingenium because they're Ingenium and Ida are the two oldest aren't they? Uh, I don't know I thought that they were the two oldest because he he mentions being the second brother. Unless Ingenium is the oldest, and then there's one in between him and Ida. Yeah, I don't know. What, well, and the other thing that made me think that in, Ingenium might have been the guy with sixty five sidekicks is he's calling out orders to different squads when we catch up with him. But it could just be that he's part of a team of pro heroes like the like Avengers, a hit team you know? or something. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. He could be the Captain America, and he's he, he's got a power that's similar to Ida's, where he has the exhaust pipes and super speed, but his pipes are located like on his arms near his elbows. And they're chasing somebody down. They managed to corner him in, in an alley. And it's Spawn. You remember the, like two weeks ago where we were like, oh, dude, we totally forgot about the Spawn crazy yep. ninja guy that licked yep. his dagger on the crazy rooftop thing? It's him. And, I was thinking that, like, how convenient is it that we were literally just talking about this on the last episode, I think? We were like, yeah, what happened to that guy? And yep. lo and behold, here he is. And his, they, I think... Uh, Tensei calls him the hero killer. I think he says, yeah. we found him, or we've cornered the hero killer, or says something like, we finally got you, hero killer, whatever it might be. We learn later on in this episode that his name is Stain, and he has one of my favorite character uh, aesthetics yet so far. He looks he, freaking awesome. He does look really cool. He's very villainous. Um, he he kind of looks like if you literally took a Ninja Turtle and a villain and just smacked the two together. Yeah, like, a little bit. 
He's got this weird like face bandana thing, and I can't tell if it's just a weird mask or what's going on with it. Yeah, I think we, we, we've. I am confident that we will get to know Stain very well going forward. I'm really looking forward to this hero killer business. That's well, for sure. Well, me too. That's why I was kind of disappointed that they cut away from that. It was like a 30 second scene, and then we're back in the, into the arena for Bakugo versus Kirishima, and. You know, this is a match that you and I had talked about before, too, where you have Kirishima's hardening versus Bakugo's explosions. Um, and Bakugo is frustrated when we when we pick up. It's kind of in media res that's already been uh, ongoing, this battle, because he says that there's more to Kirishima than just hardening, which maybe, like, his density increases because he's not he's not blowing Kirishima backwards with his explosions. So maybe that's... Maybe that's what he meant by that. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it makes his mass increase, like if he's heavier yeah, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Bakugo does appear to kind of use to his advantage something that he exposited a, a, maybe a few episodes ago about Quirks being physical to um, because it seems that after enough explosions, he seems to have kind of like chipped away at Kirishima's ability to maintain that hard state uh, status. Um, so he's, he's able to eventually start doing damage and blowing Kirishima backwards. And so he, uh, he, he ends up winning that battle. Um, it, I'm sure it didn't go quite like he had planned, but he won anyway. Yeah. I mean, he overpowered him. That's about what I expected. You know, it's, I would have loved to have seen Kirishima win somehow, but I think realistically we knew Bakugo was going to win that one. Definitely. And then we uh, go straight into Ida versus Todoroki. This was an awesome fight. Like I, I really thought Ida was going to have it for the first couple minutes here. I did too. He had a good strategy. Um, yeah. So present Mike says that both of these guys are from famous hero lineages. Um, so they've, they've got, you know, pro pro heroes in their families and Todoroki immediately walls in Ida. Ida, Ida's like, I gotta, I gotta end this quickly. He starts running around. Todoroki shoots a, an ice wall to the left and right of Ida and then sends one up the middle to try to freeze him. Ida jumps um, through the air and manages to get in close to Todoroki and does this freaking awesome rocket propelled kick. Uh, oh, yeah, Todoroki it was really slams cool. him down to the ground. Um, and he sees that as his opening. Like, Todoroki is face down. He's definitely taken some damage. And so Ida grabs him. Uh, basically by the scruff of his neck or, or by the collar of his shirt and starts hauling butt towards the edge of the rink to try to ring him out. And all of a sudden he stops because Todoroki pulls the icy equivalent of shoving a potato into Ida's calf pipes. <laughs> yeah. He tells Stalls him like... His yeah, he tells him like, you know, I, I've been doing nothing but range attacks all day. You must have forgotten. I have great control over this. And we see that his mufflers are like all iced up. Yep. It's interesting to me that Ida completely stopped, though. Like, he walks around all day, doesn't he, with his mufflers covered up in, like, his pants? I think that it was, like, a, me like a sudden deceleration and a shock value. That makes sense, yeah. Because he's hauling butt, and then all of a sudden, all of that power is cut out, and so there's, like, there's a jarring um, to to that. You know, if you've ever gone from really fast to really slow all at once, it's there's there's a sensation there, and I imagine... I'm... I'm I'm no prizing that explanation there. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Uh, we get an awesome scene here where he is just completely frozen. It kind of reminded me of the, uh, when I say he, Ida, is completely frozen by Todoroki, it reminded me of the Disney Hercules movie where they've got that one like monster that they, one of the giant, or it's not a giant, it's a, uh, oh, uh, what were they? The gods captured them, the Titans. Uh, it's one of the mm. Titans that they have to like pour molten lava over or something. It, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. 
but then we go right into uh, the next fight, which is an awesome one. It's Bakugo versus Tokoyami. And, you know, I honestly expected Tokoyami to win this one. And I was really shocked that he didn't. But everyone else in the show apparently was not shocked at all. You know, we've got Midoriya and Ochako talking about how, like, it's really unfortunate that Tokoyami was paired up against Bakugo in this one. I didn't realize that, I guess, Tokoyami has to, like, absorb shadow or something. And all of the light that Bakugo is creating whenever he's doing his crazy burst is causing it, his shadow creature to be weak, basically. Yeah, it's an unfortunate pairing. And in the in the manga, you're treated to this really funny panel where it shows uh, Momo and, and Mina next to one another. And it just says underneath them, it says the off-panel losers to, to, uh, to the Tokoyami Club. And that made me really laugh because in the manga, those two, their fights aren't in here at all. Really? Um, yeah, they lost to Tokoyami kind of, you know, off, off panel, literally. Um, huh. and we get, we get to see little brief pieces of it in the anime and they're, they're cheering him on because they, they have firsthand experience of, of what he's capable of. And they're kind of confused or trying to figure out why it is that he seems to be weaker here. And Bakugo has sorted it out pretty quickly and goes ham, man. He does this stun grenade thing that i mean floods the arena with light basically ko's the shadow self um, yeah not ba- shadow Bakugo... self, that's key forge the dark shadow yeah 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 the dark shadow yeah bakugo is continuously surprising me with all of his special moves the dude has a special move chart that's out of this world compared to everyone else yes and next episode he pulls one off that's amazing yeah yeah it was really really awesome uh, well, we got near the end of this episode, Bakugo versus Todoroki. It starts up, uh, and in the middle of this fight, like right as it's about to begin, Ida gets this phone call from his mom, and he's, you know, like picks it up, and he's like, oh, mom, I'm really sorry that I lost. And she's like, no, 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 we're we're not calling about the, the stuff. Like, I'm really sorry, that sucks for you, uh, but your brother has been taken down by a villain. And he's freaking out, you know, and so he goes off screen and we go back to this scene where we've got Heroes Killer like standing up on top of the some big tower in the city. And of course, he's given off a villain monologue and he's talking about the hypocrisy of heroes, which I kind of get the feeling every villain is going to bring up at this point, uh, because it seems like all of the villains we've seen have been very much like, oh, well, heroes are just hypocrites. Uh, and yeah, then- I, I had some. I had some notes actually on, on some of his dialogue on Stain's dialogue. So we snap back. It looks like Tensei's dead. He's like lying in blood and right. Uh, Stain is licking his blood off of his dagger. And he says things like you bastards aren't heroes, just him. The, the only one that I'll let kill me all might. And so I have in my notes and this is pure speculation. So feel free to join us on Twitter and discord and tell me how wrong I am. But um, I have in here is, is Stain like this, all Might super fan with a death wish who's running around killing folks just to try to draw All Might's attention to him. Because it's the way that that was worded, I was like, that's so weird because he's has this crazy mad respect for All Might in comparison to all these other heroes. And he vocalizes in the, in the anime, it said that he's that's the one that I'll let kill me in the manga. It's tempered a little bit, it's he's the one who has permission uh, to kill me. So, yeah, that's Stan, the way that it was in the English version, too. Stain certainly has an idea of what he thinks makes a hero, and he kills based on that idea. So it excludes anyone being a hero who is in it by his perception for fame or for money. So he's like a hero purist, which is an interesting angle for a villain. Um, But it also makes me wonder who else makes the cut and who doesn't. I mean, who is going to come across his radars as 
somebody deserving of death? And is it just All Might that escapes that? Or are there others who might make the cut as well? That's a good, interesting point. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. I, I like, so I had two thoughts. My first thought was just that this is some big, bad, like hero serial killer, right? Like he's a well-known serial killer that's gotten around and they've not been able to catch him yet. But like everyone knows who he is kind of deal, like some sort of terrorist level. Uh, my other thought was, is this the person that damaged All Might in that one recording that All Might deleted? Um, I think we might have, a couple episodes ago, I had brought that up again, and you had mentioned it being the uh, the Chainsaw guy. Yeah, but Toxic I went, Chainsaw. Right. I went back and rewatched that, and Toxic Chainsaw was not the guy that damaged All Might. Uh, he was, because that was the fight that Midoriya was like, oh, are you talking about the Toxic Chainsaw fight? And All Might goes, no, 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 there was another fight that happened that I spent a lot of money and a lot of effort making sure nobody saw. Huh. So I, I wonder if it's the hero killer guy that he fought that damaged him. And maybe hero killer, like the stain guy, maybe he thinks so highly of himself that he knows the only person that would be able to kill him is the best hero out there, which is All Might. So he just wants a good challenge. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I almost, I don't want to really make the comparison here because we don't know anything about Stain. But I kind of wonder if it's like a Frieza Goku sort of thing where it's like, well, I'm Frieza. I'm the best there ever was. But if anyone's going to kill me and I'm going to be semi okay with it, it's going to be Goku. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I've got, like, I know that he's the best out there. So I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking, though. Yeah. We, I am excited that Stain is back on the scene. And that he is, so we're about to functionally wrap up an arc. So there's, there's no reason to believe anything other than that this next arc is going to be stain centric and I cannot wait to get to that stuff. So let's hurry up. Definitely, definitely. Well, at the end of this episode, the last thing we see is stain standing up on top of this building and Kuro Giri from last season shows up. And Stain is like, who the hell are you? You know, like trying to be all BA. And Kirigiri is like, don't worry. I think we have a lot in common. And I think you will very much so like my offer. And then they disappear and it's the end of the episode. So yep. I'm guessing, uh, oh, we also get to see Shigaraki again there at the last, the last scene uh, before they cut to the credits. But I'm guessing we're going to see those guys show back up. Uh, maybe we'll get some more about the, the, the like big league of villains or the, the people behind them in these next few episodes. Yeah, I mean, it, it did feel like a recruit a recruiting effort just then. Hey, that's definitely what it felt like to me. Uh, but that ends it for episode 24. Uh, jumping right into episode 25, we start off, we're seeing all these flashbacks that Todoroki's having of his mother and the fight with Deku and kind of, I guess, uh, unlocking old memories that he's kind of shut out. Like, he's talking about having completely forgotten her. And he's just sitting in his waiting room, and all of a sudden, Bakugo busts down the door. And Bakugo's like, oh, why are you in my waiting room? Oh, well... I got them mixed up. Sorry. Yeah. Like, what an and idiot. To- Todoroki is is trying to figure things out. I mean, he's sitting there. He has almost no reaction or response to Bakugo. I mean, he acknowledges him, and he even asks Bakugo a question. He asks Bakugo if Midoriya tried to eliminate everyone's problems when he was a kid as well. And Bakugo starts having some minor flashbacks, um, and his flashbacks prove that he knows that the answer to Todoroki's question is yes, but he can't bring himself to say it. He doesn't want to. Like, he yeah. doesn't want to admit that Midoriya is a good dude. I think I think that Bakugo is majorly threatened by Midoriya because in the midst of this scene, as this scene continues to uh, to develop, he commands Todoroki to use his fire in the match so that he doesn't go down, if he goes down at all, so that Bakugo doesn't go down to anything less than what it took to take Midoriya out. And he even says... 
during the match um, when when he doesn't see Todoroki using this fire. He's like, am I not strong enough to make you use it? That's Bakugo comparing himself directly to Midoriya um, because he can't be the undisputed number one otherwise unless Todoroki goes all out against him as he did against Midoriya. So Bakugo is, I mean, he is still super threatened and possibly still kind of in the dark feeling lost with what to do about Midoriya in this quirk that seems to get crazier and crazier every time he sees it in action from Midoriya, one that he didn't have when he was a kid. Yeah, that's true. I, I actually had down some kind of similar notes here, uh, but one that I, I did, I felt kind of bad for Bakugo at first because there's this scene where he's like trying to basically tell Todoroki, like, hey, I'm your next opponent just because I messed up our rooms doesn't mean I'm going to hold back, you know, like just kind of being goofy, like Bakugo's goofiness. Uh, but all Todoroki can think about is Midoriya. Like, Bakugo just yeah. wants some attention. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, all he is looking for is someone, I feel like, all he wants is someone to give him some recognition. Like, give him the time of day. And for some reason, this Midoriya kid just keeps showing up in his life and kind of stealing that spotlight. Yep. You know, like, I was 100%. trying to take a step back and, and look at this from a whole different perspective. And it was funny because I started taking these notes about how, like, I kind of felt bad for Bakugo and, like, you know, like, let's just give him a different perspective here. Like, he's a, maybe he was a small town kid, like, wasn't ever in the spotlight. You know, we don't know what kind of family he comes from. His first big chance to get out of this small town and go to U UA, and he's plagued by some kid that just has to remind him of his past. And not only remind him of his past, but remind him that he's constantly better than him in a lot of things that he really shouldn't have the right to be better at. You know, like I'm trying to run all through all of these situations in my mind. And then as I'm trying to feel bad for Bakugo, he's walking out of this locker room talking about how he's going to blow up every single bit of the arena and he's going to show these stadium how a real hero would act. And I'm like, oh, man, I just can't feel bad for you. Like, <laughs> There's no part of me that cares. Like, you can't sit there and have this all these like thoughts for him. And then the moment he opens his mouth, he's like, well, I'm going to kill everyone. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting exchange. I mean, it's Bakugo sticking to character as far as we know him. I do really appreciate your perspective of, you know, this alternative consideration of him being eclipsed his entire life by Midoriya. And it's got me kind of just as you're explaining that, I wonder if um, if Bakugo was kind of like a nobody until he got his quirk. And then the, his quirk is the thing that he has come to define himself by. And now he's he's in this place, UA, where other people have really awesome quirks. And he's got to, he's got just this one thing going for him, his quirk. And he's got to, he's, he's going to try to milk it to keep it as the thing that distinguishes him, you know, undisputedly is the term that he keeps using, undisputed, you know, from yeah. everybody else. And in the midst of, trying to do that with people who have received their quirks as he did in, you know, at a normal time, all of a sudden this, this chump from his past who has never had a quirk manifests one that threatens his and threatens to, again, to, to kind of eclipse his. And that's gotta be super frustrating. I, I like that you kind of made him a little bit more sympathetic than I'd watched and, and considered, um, uh, my regard towards him in that scene. That, that was, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. I like that. Yeah. Well, you got to also take into consideration, like the, whenever he goes to UA, that's his first time to kind of define himself as himself, right? Like this is him kind of coming of age sort of deal. And all these people around him pretty much immediately hate him. A yeah. And I mean, I don't blame them, right? Like he's showing off his personality, 
But if he had been surrounded by people that accepted that kind of personality, he may not know any better. He has no idea maybe that there is another side of how you're supposed to be. Now, that being said, we see this from Midoriya's eyes, so our vision of all of this is a little skewed, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I wanted to try and find some saving grace for him. However, it's very difficult to do for this character. We still like him, though. Like, I do. We like I love Bakugo a lot. I love Bakugo. I think he's an awesome character. I just like I. I feel the need to understand why he has all these people that try to love him and he won't let them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But that takes us right into this fight between him and Todoroki. It's immediately nuts. Like. The bells ring. Todoroki is flinging this controlled ice blast all over the place. Bakugo is immediately entrapped in ice within four seconds. It's incredible. Yeah, and then he comes blasting out of it, and there's this really cool scene where they're like, what is that sound? I think Mineta asks, what's that sound? And it's it sounds like the footsteps of the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Totally, yeah. Um, but it's, it's Bakugo blasting his way out from being trapped within this ice, and man, he comes out... Uh, banging on all cylinders but he does this freaking awesome throw against Todoroki um and like uses his uh his glycerin sweat to propel him through the air and he nearly rings him out but Todoroki does this really cool thing where he channels his inner ice man and makes an ice slide to stay in bounds and present Mike even like says in the dub he says oh that looks like fun he's he's, like sliding around in the the ring keeping himself in bounds it was pretty cool yeah, I've got a note here about how good Bakugo has gotten at maneuvering in the air. Like, yeah. he is so... like It's almost like watching a jet plane. You know what I mean? Like, he's just incredible. I love watching this dude, like, fly. It's awesome. So does Aizawa. Aizawa, at some point during this, makes mention that every time he sees Bakugo fight, he, he finds something else to be impressed about within him in, in the way that he approaches tactics and, and just battle in general. Well, heck, so, every time he fights, he's got a new special move. Yeah, it, I mean, he pulls one out here in just a second, too. Um, yeah, he's a true wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, this dude yeah. could be in the WWE. Oh, yeah, he's he's selling himself, man. It's it's the slow, it's that slow burn, that slow reveal. And that's Definitely. what keeps us coming back. So Todoroki well, is being, all the time that, that this they're engaged in combat, Todoroki is being heckled constantly by Bakugo, who's really trying to stir him up and get him to use his fire again. And Todoroki seems absolutely hesitant to use it. I mean, he's almost be- being contemplative again, right in the middle of this really dangerous situation that he's in, in the middle of the ring with Bakugo, until Midoriya cheers him on from the stands. And then that's when we see this fire um, start to um, make its way up Todoroki's left side. And this, I just have in my notes that the list of people for whom Midoriya is a muse, is an inspiration, continues to grow with yeah. every arc. Um, with all of these different characters and and with these characters he is the source of inspiration in radically different ways for some people it's this place of rivalry um for others it's a place of of self challenge like for ochako who's like you are inspiring me to try to do this on my own um you know this independence that she found because of his example and now you've got todoroki who is seeing midori as an inspiration uh, all his own and in his own unique way. Yeah, I thought it was pretty awesome that Todoroki does not even think about firing up on all cylinders when his dad cheers him on, but then like his new best friend says something like, you know, you, you know, fight your hardest and he's like, "Okay, I'll do it." You know, like that immediate just kind of like, "Okay, someone that 
else, so like someone else is cheering me on. Like that was kind of a cool feeling. Uh, but you know, whenever Bakugo does his super powerful attack, what's he called? The Howitzer Blast. Yeah. I mean, he's like he's spinning up. He looks like a tornado going after Todoroki. We get this scene where he starts to fire up, and I I kind of misunderstood this scene. You, you keep in mind, I watch these shows or these episodes twice before we record. Uh, the first time I watched it. I didn't think that Todoroki gave up. Like everyone was like, "Oh wow, Todoroki just gave up. He didn't use the firepower and Bakugo just wrecked his face." I was under the impression that his flame went out because Bakugo's like wind caused it to actually go out mm-hmm. and that Todoroki didn't control it. Not that he didn't want to or that he was giving up, just a matter of like Bakugo overpowered him. Uh, but no one else in the show seemed to, to think that. And then when no. I rewatched it today, I was like, okay, it actually seems like he gets distracted and decides to not use his powers. Yeah, he has this uh, this image of his mom flashes into his mind, and it's kind of evidence that he's still got this inner turmoil. He's still wrestling with with all of this. So he's still got a skeleton in his closet with regards to his mom, and so he he drops his fire. And this is something that we'll get some... Uh, a, the beginnings of resolution on at the very end of the episode. But yeah, my, my interpretation of that was he, he doused his own fire, um, just out of, uh, you know, confusion and, and hesitation that he's could be doing something that he doesn't fully agree with yet. I mean, he's, he's, his mind isn't changing in an instant and I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I, I liked it. This, Character arc is taking more than just, you know, 15 minutes at the back end of an episode. Um, But we get this awesome scene where the Howitzer lands and the dust clears. Bakugo is standing there, like, heavy breathing, trying to figure out what's going on. Todoroki is just laying in some rubble. And Bakugo gets mad and is like, come on, man, seriously? Like, you are absolutely disgracing me because you didn't put in your all and I just look like a jerk. Like, I feel like Bakugo was just not having it. He was so upset that Todoroki did not give him his all. Yeah. And I actually wondered here that the howitzer move that he pulls off is awesome. It's a massive explosion that he pulls off without the use of his gauntlets. And so I wondered if, if Bakugo could have even continued the fight, if he hadn't taken Todoroki out here, like was, was the howitzer impact was this special move kind of his hail Mary, because we saw him do something of possibly similar scale against Ochako and it messed up his hands somehow. And in, in the, as the dust begins to settle in this scene, his arms are kind of drooping at the front of him. Like you could tell he's taken some battle damage. And I wonder if just the sight of that fire, he was like, all right, I need to end this right now. And if if Todoroki had stayed in the ring and had come at Bakugo at 100%, if Bakugo could have continued. I think he could have. You know, Bakugo's got a lot of willpower, man. He does, but like like he himself explained, there are physical limitations, um, you know, to everybody's quirks. And he at least flirted with the edge of one of his limitations against Ochako. And this is a similarly sized blast. So, I, I mean, I don't know that I have an answer there. I just think that, um, I, I wonder if, if this fight had progressed, right. And we're just playing what ifs we're just playing fantasy scenarios. I wonder how much that blast would have taken out of Bakugo versus how much it might've taken out of Todoroki. I think ultimately Todoroki would have come back and won. I mean, Bakugo has got the one, like, if you just break it down into their powers, they're almost the same, except Todoroki has one extra power. You know what I mean? Like, mm. 
if fire on fire, it's going to be a good fight. But you've got fire and ice on fire. I think fire and ice is going to win. Like, I think that he would have ended up pulling some ice shenanigans that caused Bakugo to lose. Well, Bakugo wins, but he is super pissed. And yeah. Midnight knocks him out um, for fear, well, I, guess, I guess, that he's about to do harm to Todoroki, who's unconscious. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to kill him. Like, it looked like he was going to kill him if he wasn't already dead. Uh, but yeah. he's saying something like, I'll kill you. So, And he's been screaming that the entire day. If I was Midnight, I would have jumped in way earlier. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is this is a hollow win for Bakugo. This is not at all what he wanted. It, it doesn't do anything to settle in his mind where he stands in relation to Midoriya. And I not think at that, all. that, again, is what continues to fuel his frustration. And it actually turns into a pretty funny physical joke, too. Because right at the end of this, we cut basically sometime you know, a few minutes maybe in the future and they are uh, presenting the awards to, you know, the, the top placers and <laughs> these, these things rise up out of the ground and Bakugo is like super chained up to the winner's podium. Like he's got these crazy manacles on and this big thing over his mouth and super heavy chains that are like stapled to like Cementos definitely had a hand in restraining Bakugo oh, yeah. in this scene. Yeah, definitely. He's like and Hannibal Lecter straight yeah. up. Like he's got the weird dog mask and everything. And he is still, even though he's restrained and, and gagged, he's, he is losing his mind. I mean, he looks like an animal and people, the people that are standing on the podiums with him are completely uncomfortable around him. I mean, he is, it is, they're it almost is embarrassed for him. Yeah, and it's a portrayal of Bakugo in this really like animalistic state. I mean, he has just been worked up, and he is not having it from anybody. Right. So they they go around. All Might uh, comes and presents the medals. He gives one to Tokuyami. He was supposed to give one to Ida as well, um, but Ida is elsewhere uh, going to check on his brother. Yeah, because uh, Ida and Tokuyami tied for third place, right? Right. And then he goes and talks to Todoroki. And has a really good, uh, you know, conversation with Todoroki, and um, and, and it kind of sets up what the scenes that will follow this one with uh, between what what Todoroki does um, after this medal ceremony. And he goes to give Bakugo his medal, and he takes the mouth guard off, and Bakugo is just yelling, you know, not obscenities, but he's shouting over All Might. So All Might just kind of hangs the medal on his mouth and <laughs> congratulates him and walks off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, too, because we've got this scene where All Might's giving these medals out and then giving, like, each person a little bit of advice, and I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, and he says, this conversation that he has with with Todoroki, Todoroki says, you know, there's there's still something that I have to settle first. I mean, he's still wrestling with, with something, which I think is, again, I think that's fair. I mean, this is not something, this is a big deal for him. This is very personal, and it is going to be... Um, it's it's going to be very very big on the perspective shift scale for him. Like his entire worldview um, is kind of in a place of fluctuation right now. And so the, yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to work through there. And I, I appreciate that All Might was just like, hey, whatever you whatever it is that you think you need to do, I believe that you can do it. Um, and that's kind of his last word to Todoroki on the on that matter. So after the award ceremony, we get this really awesome wrap-up of this story arc where we transition back into the classroom, and they don't make it clear how long it's been, but it kind of seemed like it'd been maybe like 30 minutes. Like, everybody go shower up and then meet me back in the classroom. And Aizawa dismisses them off for two days. Uh, everyone's got a couple days to rest up and heal, 
And we transition where we go and we see a Hosu General Hospital, and Ida is checking in. He's going to see his his older brother, and we get this scene here, and I'm kind of interested in your take on it, where Ida is like freaking out. His brother's hurt. They just got him out of surgery, and Ida's older brother, all he can think about is how he let the family down, and how he's just so upset that his little brother now doesn't have you know this hero to look up to, and I don't know, like kind of taking the world on his shoulders. Like for someone, in my opinion, that just ran into a villain that he was trying to like take care of this villain, whatever he was doing, he got attacked, he almost got murdered, he barely lived, and instead of being excited to see his family, his older brother Ingenium, or, or Tensei is his name, is just kind of like, yeah, sorry, I let you down. Like, it's just a weird reaction to me. Uh, I would have expected there to be a lot more, like, I don't know, less less to worry about. Like, dude, you barely lived. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I took that scene pretty much in stride for the most part, just because Japan is such a high honor culture, yeah, especially when it comes to family. So it, it didn't seem, it didn't seem over dramatic or disingenuous um, to me at all. In fact, the only note that I have here is Tensei isn't dead after all hero killer. Indeed. Um, just kind of mocking the name of the guy who is supposed to be killing heroes and uh, leaves one alive in his wake. But yeah, that was the only note that I had on that particular scene. So we leave, the scene of this hospital, and we kind of tri- we, we're going to end up in another hospital, but we we spend a couple seconds actually at Todoroki's household. Uh, he's having a conversation with his sister, who's freaking out because Todoroki has expressed um, his intent to go and visit his mom, who's still in the hospital. And I was seriously worried for a second that this meant that she was like in a coma. That Endeavor had put her into a coma right so Um, that's what i assume too Uh, i think last episode i had mentioned that endeavor said like oh well she hurt my prized possession so i put her in a hospital yeah i i meant that as i beat the unholy hell out of her and put her in a hospital like you know what what i I mean too but But apparently he just like yeah he just checked her in (laughs) yeah so um you get the sense from this short scene at his house that he's never visited her um, yeah ever. Yeah, well, he actually says in the English version, like, I never saw my mom after all this time, you know. And and so did they not mention him not going at all in the Japanese version? Yeah, the sister says, you know, why go there now after all of this time? Gotcha. No, we have, like, an inner monologue in the English version that's really awesome uh, because he's talking about how, well, I never went to visit her because I was worried that my face would hurt her, like my scars would remind her. Yeah, Um, he says something about her, like, not going to visit her because he felt like she was a prisoner, not just of Endeavor, but also of him because yeah. of his Endeavor-ness, right? Right. I was interested in seeing the sister, though, in this relationship. Like, she seemed pretty normal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, See, like, I, I know that's that's kind of a weird comment to make, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, with as abusive as we have kind of made Endeavor sound, I would have expected her to be, like, not so okay, I guess. Yeah. And it kind of made me wonder if maybe he's only this way with Shoto. Like, if if maybe Todoroki is the only one he's like this with, like if the rest of his siblings don't get this rough rap that he does, because well, maybe they're not that important to endeavor. Like he's just kind of like, ah, you do your own thing. I won't mess with you. You know what I mean? That sounds about right. So yeah, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about that. I just assumed he was like torturing all of his kids. Yeah. But Todoroki ends up going to the hospital where they're, where his mom is. And he says that this is going to be his starting line. Um, and that line's going to come up a little bit later with Midori as well. And the starting line that he's kind of setting for himself is 
that this is the hero that he wants to be. And it goes, it, it kind of harkens back to his mom saying, you can be the hero that you want to be. The hero that Todoroki wants to be right now is a hero to his mom. Um, and in the manga in particular, you, you're kind of made privy to his inner monologue. And sh- he says, even if she's not asking for it, which is kind of like a callback to the conversation that All Might had with Midoriya, um, I will save her. And that's his expression. This is who. This is the kind of hero that I need to be right now. This is the kind of hero that I want to be right now. I'm not going to lie, guys. When I was watching the end of episode 25, when Todoroki is making his way to the hospital and having this dialogue with himself, I got a little choked up. And I even texted Adam and was like, "Dude, the end of episode 25, it hit me right in the feels, man. This this was, it was such a good payoff because here's where we are in my hero right now is we finished an arc. We're at the end of an arc, like you said. And really, I would argue that this arc, that the entire arena arc, it's all about Todoroki. Absolutely. Every bit of it. I mean, he's our main also character for some, now. Yeah, I mean, there's there, everybody gets a little bit of a little bit of screen time, a little bit of extra development, but this thing is so much about Todoroki that this scene is a huge payoff for us as as we we basically get our greatest exposure to him in this arc, um, and we learn so much about him. And this is a massive character moment. And again, I love that it's a massive, massive character moment for somebody who isn't Midoriya. And that's no knock on Midoriya. I just like that this show isn't so singularly focused on one individual that we're, we, we, we're missing out on the amazing stories of some of these other people around him. And this arc was the, I mean, quintessential example of how this could be done super well. Definitely, and the, the cool thing about this is that you can look at it from two different angles. Not only is Todoroki going down this new path of trying to like kind of redeem himself in his own eyes, right? Like I think he's kind of demonized himself to some extent, uh, but we can see that Midoriya has a win here because Midoriya is the one that pushed him down this road, right? Like we see Midoriya actively becoming a hero as well as Todoroki doing it at the same time in two different ways, and I think that's really neat. Uh, they're kind of a nice little parallel to each other now. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I will say it was it was also very hard for me. Like I choked up at this episode too. We actually watched this episode on Mother's Day night, so it was like uh. perfect timing. I mean, this was a this was a good episode to watch that day. Yeah, that's good. Well, this isn't this is the kind of the end of the arc, but we are treated to a little bit of extra um, stuff concerning some of the other heroes after the credits roll. Now you are notorious for not caring once the you know, once those final credits start rolling, you're out. I stuck around, and it turns out you did too this time, and it was good because there's some payoff here. Yeah, I got lucky though. I, the only reason I stuck around is because my wife was watching it with me. So <laughs> she she watches the next credits, and I was probably like, I think I, you even mentioned it, and like it had to jog a memory in the back of my brain, like, oh yeah, I did watch those. So we just we just pop in, and we we won't uh, spend too much time on these, but we get a scene where Ochako kind of goes to her apartment, which is away from home, closer to the school, presumably, and her parents are there, and they freak her out. Like, and they come running down this hall. It looks like something out of an anime that should be like classified as horror because they're like really low to the ground and their eyes are all red. It's genuinely frightening the way that they come running at her when she opens the door. Uh, yeah, I would have assumed that like Hero Killer Stain got a hold of them or something. Yeah, and so Ochako's eyes like bulge out of her head like wily coyote looney tunes like i mean feet of eyeballs are sticking out of her uh, out of her skull and there's just this silly scene where her mom just pushes her eyeballs back into her head 
And when it first was on the screen, I was like, what is she doing? What is the mom's quirk? That's this weird white tube. And it was just her pushing her eye, Ochako's eyes back into her skull. And that was just, it was just really funny to me. Yeah, no, I had the same reaction. I was like, what? This is the weirdest quirk. And if there, until you brought it back up, I had this thought about, you know, like, what if her mom's only quirk is that she can control people's eyeballs? <laughs> she you know? can just make <laughs> like, them pop out. Yeah. And I mean, it would kind of work out with the gravity, like, inheritance part, right? Like, if Ochako can do gravity stuff, maybe originally her mom could just control eyeballs. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? It had me cracking up. It, it definitely had me going there. Um, we also get a short scene with Midoriya where he's sitting with his mom over breakfast and his his mom is kind of giving him the story of her experience watching him uh, compete in the games. She says that she fainted seven times watching him during the cavalry battle and Midoriya is kind of, he's entertaining his mom um, and he's kind of having this own inner monologue at the same time where his start line, there's that phrase again, his start line is, is getting to a place with the one for all that he can operate it in such a way that it doesn't make others worry. And, and that's, that's what his mom is saying is I was worried about you. Um, and he's like, you know what? This is, this is unfair. Everybody worries about me because of the way that this power affects me. I've got to do better. I've got to be better. I've got to improve. Um, so that's him setting himself, um, a nice little goal for the future. Can you imagine like being the parent to this child that, you know, for a fact doesn't have powers and then you're watching them on TV, just hoping for the best. And they almost beat like possibly the world's best upcoming superhero with this unimaginable power. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's gotta be exhilarating, but I'm, I'm with mom here. That would be scary. I mean, because yeah, no joke, because she has no idea what it is that Midori is capable of. And she's yeah. seeing, him destroy himself too which isn't you know no mother wants to sit around and watch their kids destroy themselves not in any sense of that word not emotionally certainly not physically not psychologically you know that right not spiritually whatever it is they don't want their kids to destroy themselves and she had to like literally watch him do that that's kind of been hard for a mom oh yeah definitely i just imagine this thought though where she's like well i know my kid didn't have powers beforehand so what kind of crazy drugs have you been getting into right you know like, <laughs> or like what kind of steroids are you taking like <laughs> I, I love the idea of him like he can't explain that it's all might's powers so how does he like how is she just okay with being like well i trust you son <laughs> right but then we have this this last thing in this episode is maybe I, i'm gonna go ahead and say this definitively you could quote me on this this is my favorite thing that I've seen in anything My Hero Academia so far is this two or three second clip of Bakugo at home brushing his teeth and just screaming, <laughs> die, die germs, die plaque as he's doing it. And his mom in the background yelling that it's too early in the morning for him to be screaming. This is hands down the funniest thing in this show today. I lost my mind laughing at this. And it was, it was so short, but it was incredibly funny to me. It was so unexpected, right? I mean, I, I, I didn't expect Bakugo's uh, tenacity to carry through with literally everything he does. Yep. I, I'm going to find a gif of this, and it is going to be my avatar for literally all of the things going forward. <laughs> because it is, it is endlessly entertaining to me that he is shouting, die, at his plaque. It is very much in character. Like you said, it's just funny to imagine that that's just how he is 100% of the time, even when there's nobody around but his family or just him himself in his room. He's so intense all the time, and it is such a funny moment. 
Oh, it was great. It's my favorite thing of anything that we've seen or been exposed to in this anime. This is it. I, I could I could watch this scene on loop for for hours and be totally satisfied. <laughs> That's awesome. It it kind of like it opens up this whole idea for me too that I just thought about. You know, we've talked about all these heroes kind of having uh, like contracts with the different organizations and whatnot that contract out heroes to save the town or the the whatever they're in. But I wonder if there are also like toothpaste commercials that hire heroes like All Might to do like, oh, if you want pearly white teeth like All Might, buy this <laughs> brand, you know, like 10 out of 10 doctors recommend. Yeah, yeah. I just like I can't imagine like I can, all I can think about is Bakugo being like, well, I don't use the All Might brand because, you know, I know him. Right. Like Bakugo's not <laughs> getting that endorsement. That, that's what right. we're saying. <laughs> I just love it. That's great. That is funny. Well, the, the last thing that we get, um, and this is perfectly timed um, for us as far as recordings go, um, is coming up. Right. Like I said, we just finished this arc. And the next thing that we're hinted at is that um, in the next episode, they're going to be picking um, their hero names. And that seems so innocuous and mundane that I, I am a firm believer that Stain is coming and he's coming super fast after this episode. So I am, I am, I might do out of, out of character for me. I might finish this recording and immediately go and watch the next two episodes. I'm that excited about seeing this guy in action. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, they kind of set this scene up so that way we know they're getting their hero names. My thought is you can't kill a hero if he doesn't have a name, right? Oh, that's an interesting so, thought. I'm wondering if we're going to see some students die in the next couple episodes. Well, and I'll, I'll be honest, as fun as the arena stuff is, I miss a good villain. I want I want a villain on screen, and it, it's past time for us to get back to that place, and it's not it's not even that, that we're getting a villain again. Stain just seems like a genuinely awesome villain, so... Yeah, I yeah am, no, he seems really good. I am anxious to get back to some good villainy, man. I am dying for it. So I, I'm really hoping he's going to be like a cell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just man, dastardly. This guy's going to be straight up evil and I can't wait. So, Hey, let's, I can't wait either. Let's, let's wrap this up, man. So I can get to it. Yeah. Let's definitely wrap this up. Uh, I'm sure Hannah is waiting at the house right now for me to get home and watch those episodes too. Uh, so that's been episodes 24 and 25. See you guys next week. See ya. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.